Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Chuck Turner. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So, right, so who is Chuck? Chuck owns uh, the Movement Lab, which is based here in Minneapolis. He trains corporate clients, private clients, and groups. So I actually met Chuck at the training center or the gym that both of us train independently out of. And um, I'm really impressed with his training. And so I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with him. And let me tell you, he does not disappoint. He is very knowledgeable about um, feet. You know, he discusses why he doesn't believe that people have flat arches. He discusses how watching his two-year-old move has really inspired him um, in his training philosophy how he tests every workout before he gives it to clients, um, as well as his challenge to you guys at the end of the podcast. Um, it was it was one I've never heard before, and I'm super excited to try. So um, he really gets into the science. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, it really breaks down the knowing your why again into your fitness journey. So without further ado, here is today's interview. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm super excited today with my guest, Chuck Turner. How are you doing today, Chuck? I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. I already saw Chuck this morning at the gym. So we actually train independently clients um, at the same gym. And that's actually how we met. So I was super excited because I've you know watched the way he trains and um, think he's an awesome trainer. I wanted to have him on the show to balance out some of my yoga peeps that I've had on recently. So I want to know a little bit more about how you got into fitness. My story starts probably about seven years ago. Um, I used to work for Wells Fargo, home mortgage. I was uh, running a program called Construction to Perm Financing. Um, that's kind of where it all started. I was there and uh, making really good money, but the job was really stressful. And I could just notice that my quality of life wasn't what it used to be. And I was just like everyone else, just kind of equating it to age. Mm. I was getting older. Um, spoke with my wife about just my unhappiness. We decided that I would uh, try to look at doing something different. So I... Uh, Went back to the University of Minnesota, that's where I went to school at, and uh, met with a career counselor. And then I took all these aptitude tests, and what they do is they, they figure out, okay, what your values are, what things that make you happy, and they figure out all this stuff and what you're good at. And then they say, okay, well, the people that are good at the same things that you're good at and have the same interests and the same values, these are the types of professions that, that they do and they report being happy doing that profession. So, uh, you know, they give you all this homework, you have to narrow it down and it came down to personal training. And I was an athlete in, in, in high school and a little bit in college, but mostly in high school. And um, I figured, you know, I've always kind of had one foot in and one foot out, I should explore this. And, Part of the thing, one of the things I had to do was I had to go out and interview um, an individual that worked for a club and then a person that was working for themselves. And uh, once I did that, I was sold. I was like, oh, <laughs> I can get paid to work out. I can get paid to work people out. And then I just went back to school for a year. Or, well, no, it was more two and a half years. And then, uh, and here I am. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So then has like working out always been part of your lifestyle? Did you work out while you had your, you know, corporate job or did you just kind of stumble upon it? No, you know, I had kind of, like I said, since high school kind of been on and off. So I was one of those guys that I would, you know, start working out for two months and I would take like four months off. And then mm -hmm. I would, 
oh, I got to get back into shape and I'd start working out again. And then, you know, but it was never consistent until I uh, stumbled upon this profession. And then it was shortly after that to where it's just like, I'm just super consistent. I'm just all about it. I love it. When I decided to be just kind of the best form of me that I could be, then I started to really check out this functional stuff and say, okay, why would I have somebody doing some type of movement when they're 36 if they can't do it when they're, you know, 66? Mm. And so that's kind of just been my approach to it. Understanding like what it is to do like a handstand or what it is to do like a squat or why it is that we do these deadlifts. Um, yes. You know, um, so along with coaching individuals, I like to just explain to them why we're doing it this way. Mm. You know, like, okay, well, you need to know how to squat. And the reason why you need to know how to squat, because if you squat improperly for 20 or 30 years, you know, you're going you're gonna to start having knee pain. And once you lose your ability to squat, you might lose your ability to live independently. And then now everybody's listening. It's like, okay, well, how is that? How should you squat? And now they see the importance of it. Oh, it's kind nice. of philosophy. No, I love that. I was just listening to um, continue education credits the other day, and it was all about um, the guy giving the talk was saying he's, he asked his trainers as he trains, you know, or walks around his gym and he asked them, why did you choose that exercise? And he's like, I literally will just tap them on the shoulder and ask why. And then they have to report back to me later in the day why they choose to do that certain exercise with that client. And I love that because I don't think a lot of the times we don't always think well, why? Like I always ask people, you know, if I have people who are like, I want to do this. And I'm like, I come back. I'm like, why? Why do you want to learn how to, you know, hold a headstand for 10 seconds? Like, I don't know. It looks cool. Like, <laughs> you know, like just kind of really dig into that. So I like that you incorporate that into your training philosophy. Yeah. So what do you see kind of as the biggest excuse for people um, before starting a workout program? And then how do you help people work through those excuses? I would say most people say time, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's busy. Everybody has kids, everybody has a job and, you know, things that they need to do uh, for whatever reason. But the, the most common excuse is just they're too busy and they're not ready to, to commit the time to it. Um, what I try to do is it, it just depends. I mean, everybody's at a different stage of making that decision to start to take care of themselves. Um, and so I try to gauge where they're at. Now, if they're close and I think that, you know, they could use just a little bit of pushing. Um, I just, I think for everybody, what we do, um, you just, it, you got to put a spin on it or not necessarily a spin, but so I have a couple of corporate wellness accounts, for example, right? So I walk into this place and I'm trying to explain to these people about repetitive movement or the lack thereof or spending so much time in a closed tip. You know, we now have the science to know what type of orthopedic issues you're going to be dealing with in the future. So we also know how you can kind of counter that. So um, let's get you to start doing, you know, this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, oh, okay, I'm sorry. This is what I was trying, the point that I was going to make is just that I, some people listen to you and they say, okay, well, this guy wants to work me out so that I look better. That, that's the point for some people. Mm. Some people want to work out because um, their doctor told them to, you know, and some people want to work out because um, they'll be more functional, 
You know, they, they realize that they can't get on the floor and play with their grandkids anymore just because they, they just don't have the mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but those three reasons usually cover, you know, all the reasons why a person should work out. And so I try to just figure out which one that is and just try to feed to that. I mean, we're all going to get sick. You know, do you want to recover as a strong individual or do you want to recover as a weak individual? Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with how you look or how functional you are, but that'll get a lot of people listening. Mm, yes. Do you always, like, I'm a firm believer in kind of finding people's whys, and it sounds like you kind of are as well. Do you find yourself, you know, really trying to dig deep with people after the initial session? Because I know a lot of the times people initially come and they, their main goal is to kind of lose weight typically. Um, or, you know, I just want to be healthy. So then I try to dig deep. And a lot of the times, even when they say I want to be healthy, it's not, you know, they, they have an idea of what that means, but they don't truly know what that means. And I was just telling people, I recently discovered my own why, and it took me almost a year of trying to figure out what it was. And it's so I can, when I'm older, play with my son when he's older, I guess, when he's like 16, he's like, mom, let's go shoot hoops. I want to be able to, yeah, let me go do that. Rather than thinking, okay, I got to get in shape to be able to do that. Do you have any, you know, issues with that or helping people kind of find their whys? Do you have any tips for speeding that process up maybe? Um, I guess just to continue to ask the question, you know, like you did, you know, some, you asked the person, okay, well, um, a lot of the people that I get are from referrals. So, Mm -hmm. Um, someone will contact me and then we'll go back and forth. And, uh, you know, their why is, is, is kind of determines whether or not I'm going to deal with them because I'm at a point now where I don't have to just accept any client that comes my way. Um, and I really try to seek out the people that are really serious and really committed and really to look, you know, learn some new things. Um, and those people, those whys, I mean, if you just keep asking, even at the initial conversation, they usually reveal themselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, my doctor said I should, you know, okay, well, you got kids, you got grandkids, you know, and then all of a sudden you start, you know, understanding, do they travel? Do they, you know, you start to figure out their life a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you just, depending on the relationship, just flat out ask them, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to look good because why, you know, you're going through a divorce or you want to look good because, you know, yeah, that's just ask. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think that's a good advice for any, you know, trainers if they're listening is just being upfront with people. Cause that's why they are coming to see us and just being comfortable in that position and saying, okay, why? And then not accepting the, you know, token answer and just being like, okay, let's go a little deeper Oh, and, and sometimes they don't know right away and that's okay. And just kind of planting that in, you know, their heads, like, as you said, so they can kind of marinate on it and think, okay, well, Chuck keeps asking me this. I better give him an answer. He's going to want something in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of also something I think that helps people find their whys is having someone having their back and showing, yes, I do care. I'm here to help you create your why or find your why. Right. Right. So then I know you, since you had an office job, so what tips do you have for people who have office jobs and they're sitting for prolonged periods of the day, which is almost everyone nowadays. And it's such a epidemic going throughout our culture. How do you help people kind of transition into movement? Because I think sometimes even sitting at a desk all day and then going to work out, that's tough on the body. Yeah, it is. Um, it's one of the reasons why I went the direction of, so I have two corporate accounts right now. And like I said earlier, what I do is I go out there and, and I just observe movement. 
Um, I also offer some functional movement classes and I just pretty much just kind of, you know, teach people about their body. You know, there's certain biomechanical laws about your body that you should understand. Um, you should understand why it's not good to stay in a seated position for an extended period of time. Um, so I guess what, what I do is just first off just say, you know, the first thing is your, your, your best position is your next position, right? So a lot of people are trying to get or getting standing desk at their job. That's, and that's great. And a lot of employers are starting to offer that now because they're starting to, you know, really pay attention to this sitting as the new smoking thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you get that standing desk, it's not, it's not good to just stand. I mean, you should maybe set a timer and, and uh, stand for an hour, 90 minutes, sit for 90 minutes, stand for 90 minutes, sit for 90 minutes. And then just kind of help them understand the, the math of all that sitting. I mean, if you sit in a closed hip position um, for eight hours a day, for five days a week, for 52 weeks a year, you know, your body's gonna start to form in that position. You know, And if you're trying to be active, um, you could be doing even more damage without really understanding how your body moves. So um, the, the best advice I would say is that if you have, a, a, you know, access to a standing desk, definitely get one. Um, if you are wearing a shoe with a heel on it, um, I would look into trying to wear a more flatter shoe at work, uh, more with one with a more wider toe box. And we can get into that a little, little later if we have time. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that uh, maybe start getting some body work uh, with, the with the masseuse, you know, um, or, you know, if, if you have the time, start training. Um, but you got to start uh, getting your body moving because, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of having your body in, in, in one position, it's going to start to form and you have some problems because of it. Mm. Yeah, let's dive into the shoes right now because I know, I mean, since I have a primarily female audience, you know, tell females why, you know, a wider shoe box and not wearing heels every day is beneficial. So when you wear heels, you, you, you sort of systematically shorten your heel cord, right? So we were all born with our, with, with our heel cords or our heels on the ground. Um, that Achilles has to be long and, and, and flexible, right? If you walk around in some heels, I mean, even something as short as like a four millimeter heel, right? Your Achilles is in a shortened state. And then you take those shoes off and you go ahead and throw on some tennis shoes that have maybe a zero drop. And then you go and start running and cutting or jumping. You're putting all this stress on a tendon that, that you just haven't prepared properly, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, that totally makes sense because I have... I know I'm guilty of it sometimes too, is I don't wear heels usually ever since I am a trainer, like we're in tennis shoes quite a bit or in socks. So, um, but I know if sometimes I just walk right up to the treadmill and just, I'm like, well, I've been moving all throughout the day and I don't warm up. I just plop on and do seven miles an hour right away. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I know I should warm up, but sometimes I'm like, I don't have time when I probably do. But if people are coming right from wearing heels all day and then doing the same thing, that's definitely going to lead to an injury or, you know, your Achilles being ruptured or gosh knows what's going to happen. Right, right. Because it's just, you know, when you have it raised like that, that it's in that shortened state or at least your calf muscle is. And then all of a sudden you want to get out and just run. Out. I mean, it's the reason why it happens a lot on, with weekend warriors. Mm, yes. Yeah. 
So yeah, your the 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 ride or the type of shoe that you wear, it, and it's interesting. I mean, I, now I know where I lost my train of thought. One of the reasons why I got into the corporate thing is because I was having clients that were coming in. And I'd be working with the client and, you know, you'd hear them come in and you'd look and they're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, into the room and get changed and, and, and be ready to work. And you're looking at the person and they're kind of, and they're bent over. They're not standing straight up. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I got to get this guy ready to, to work out. I can't hand him a kettlebell and he's bent over like that. And so, you know, after working with these people, bringing them in and being like, okay, so what, what's going on with you? Let's stretch you. Let's open up your hips. Let's roll those shoulders back. You know, you start to dig and you start to find that, that, that these people are sitting all day long and some of them are coming in on their lunch break, right? So, mm -hmm. and, and you're spending 40 minutes just getting them ready to work out. And you only got 10 minutes to really run them through a workout and cool them down. And I'm like, I could probably touch a lot more people um, on kind of a smaller corporate level. And so um, I started that about two years ago and I've been fortunate enough to deal with somebody who's a decision maker at the company. So it's kind of been growing organically. But mm. uh, just learning a lot about seeing what sitting does to you or even standing. Oh, I love hearing that. And you're kind of in the ground level and you're in there and you're, you know, trying to learn and observing because I've had um, the worst I've ever observed was a client of mine. Um, oh gosh, probably four years ago now. And um, she was so, she would be lucky if she made it to a thousand steps a day. And, um, and she had a teenage daughter. And so she would either go right from work to maybe her daughter's basketball games. And she was so tight. Like I got the foam roller once and I just brought it and I'm like, here, let's try. She came like the next day. She was full of bruises because her body was so tight. So she tried to go to get a massage. The masseuse couldn't do anything with her because she was so tight. She had to get one of the platforms that shake and to try to loosen her up. The chiropractor couldn't adjust her because she was so tight. And it's because she was always at her desk and she was only in her maybe young fifties. Um, you know, so it's not like it happens kind of fast if people aren't paying attention and aren't moving their bodies. So after seeing her, I've just been so much more, um, awakened to the fact of how much and how bad sitting is for you all day. And just kind of, you know, sharing that with people and with clients of mine, um, cause I have a lot of people who own their own business. And so some of them aren't always sitting, they're kind of up, they're down, they're going, but with my people who do have more strictly office jobs, I kind of tell them and share with them that story just so they kind of know, Oh, like I need to be taking this serious. Like, you know, I might be 28, but I really need to be paying attention to this cause this does add up over time. Is that something that you see as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, the, the trick is just convincing people, you know, once you, once you start listening to your body and you start understanding what it's not doing as opposed to just being used to what you know so a lot of times i'm sure that person really didn't even realize how tight they were the one mm -hmm. that you're talking about mm -hmm. and so um once you start get a person in the gym and you can get them to move and start to understand look this is your hip this is what your hip should be able to do and this is what your hip does do right now this is what you can do every day just a little bit do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, right? And then if you do it over time, then when it comes time to do something to get active, you don't have to spend so much time warming up because you're always warming up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Is that something you have um, 
people do either before sessions or during sessions, like what does your warm up routine look like per the usual client? Just in case people are like, well, what should I be doing for my warm up routine? You know, what are you having people do? So what I have people do, I always start with a little bit of cardio just to kind of raise their body temperature, kind of get them awake, get them in the game, get them away from, you know, thinking about what, what they left out there on the street. Um, and then I'll get them off of that. And then I'll put them through some movement preps. And what I mean by that is if I'm going to have the, the client squatting, then we're going to do some variations of body weight squats just to get the muscles firing. Um, we're going to also work other muscles that we're not working that day, but just get the person moving. Um, so we might do like five walkout push-ups. We might do uh, follow that with 10 uh, TRX rolls and then follow that with 15 air squats. And we'll run through that like twice, depending on how the person's moving. Um, and then we might do some range of motion stuff with like a PVC pipe for the shoulders, depending on, you know, if the person seems like they're really kyphotic in the shoulders. Um, then uh, from there, we'll go into, you know, whatever the movement is. So like, say, for instance, uh, we were pressing that day, we might do uh, chest press uh, for 20. I'm a big uh, rep guy right now. And so if I'm a rep guy right now, my clients are rep guys. <laughs> so uh, we might do 20 reps of dumbbell presses. And then I might follow that with, you know, 12 push-ups. you know, go to fatigue on the toes and then drop to the knees. And then uh, we'll probably throw in a, like a single leg deadlift um, and maybe put the rep scheme at about 20 on that, 10 per leg. And then we might run through that four times. And then, um, then after that, I might get the person's heart rate up again, or we just might start working on some of their junk. And what I mean by junk is that usually if I'm working with the client, um, out that, that, at that point is when I would want them to do the stuff that I said that we need to work on, regardless if we're working out that day or if you're just at home. So I might have them throw them in shin to wall because I want, you know, to feed some slack into their uh, hip flexor quad because they sit all day. Um, I might have them do like a wall pigeon um, just to get some external rotation of that, that upper leg. Um, and then I might have them do like the wall splits because a lot of people who sit um, tend to stabilize their, their pelvis with the muscles that connect to it from the bottom. And we lose the ability to connect or stabilize the pelvis with the muscles that connect to it from the top. So they usually have really tight groins and really tight uh, hamstrings. And so I might throw them in that. And then after that, we'll, you know, slap hands and say, see you in a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a typical workout for me or for my clients. Or and, for both. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, yeah, that's, that, and that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, the workouts that I put my clients through, I've done or I, or I do. Okay. Um, just because I want to know, you know, what it is that they're feeling and what it is, how long it should take them based on my fitness. Now, I mean, I don't say that they should be where I'm at, but it's a good gauge. Yeah, no, totally. I've do the same thing. And I'm like, okay, if it's something that I'm loving, like I'll test it. Like I've been testing, as you've seen, like this treadlift program um, from Joe Coleman and I freaking love it. And, you know, so like, I'm like, I'm getting amazing results from it. So then I want to test some of that, you know, on my clients or just maybe not the same thing because it might be a little too intense, but like, how can I modify this? So I think that's a huge um, benefit too, because then you kind of know, okay, what works and you know, a 
approximate, like as you're doing with reps, like, or how many times a week to do this and what's going to work best. So then people don't have to play around or have to guess, is this going to work for me? I don't know. No one's really tried it. We're just going to throw it out there and see. Right, right. So I have a little role-playing situation. I've never actually done this on my podcast before, so I'm kind of excited. So I'm going to pretend I'm a woman. Well, I am a woman, but I'm a woman in my late 30s, um, and I work at a high-powered corporate job and pretend I have two kids at home. And I try to work out, but it can be quite inconsistent. So how can I bring more movement into my day, and what's the best thing I can do for my health in limited time? Because I don't have a lot of time to work out. So for that scenario, I would, I would definitely need to see this woman a couple of times. She's going to have to make some, some changes with her, with her schedule because uh, the late, I would want her to understand the language because with the lack of time, we could probably train her remotely or I could do some programming for her and put it in a way that she could get it done throughout the day, right? But we would need to get her into the gym a, a couple of times so that we can, you know, get this understanding. And then I would probably just try to change the way that she thought about working out. You know, there's a lot of people that just can't wrap their mind around just taking one hour and just being uncomfortable for that one hour. I might say, okay, well, here's our deal. We're going to try to get in a hundred pushups. And this is just, well, I probably wouldn't say a hundred pushups for um, this scenario, but I would say, okay, we're going to try to get in 50 push-ups, right? But the catch is we're going to try to get those 50 push-ups throughout the day. We just want, before you go to bed, that those 50 push-ups are done, right? Then we might add some walking lunges or some air squats, right? Something that requires very little space. Um, and we might say, okay, you're going to get 50 of those in. And then I might say sit-ups, right? You're going to get 50 of those in before the end of the day. So what that means is that you can, when you roll out of bed, do 10 of all three of those movements, right? Mm -hmm. And then right before you walk out the door, you could probably do 10 of those, 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 you know, all three of those movements. And then it's, it's, it's usually a little bit easier for a person to swallow um, once they understand that, you know, we get together for an hour to work out because this is the times. But the reality of it is, is that we should be working out all day. I mean, you're, 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 you should be more active. You should be doing more work with your hands. Um, and that's the type of stuff that's going to keep you healthy. Mm. And I love that you had talked about reframing the, okay, why, why do you say you're busy and you don't have time? And that that was the first thing that you kind of gravitated towards, because I think that's, you know, what people always think. And I just recently um, started getting up well, an hour before my first session. And, um, you know, which means sometimes I'm getting up at five. I won't get up earlier than five. I've decided that's my cutoff. But <laughs> because I'm, I just can't. I, I mean, I probably could if I needed to, but I don't need to right now. So like five is kind of that time. Now that's like, so I can get up. Do I love to start my day with a little yoga? So I love to do 20 to 30, to sometimes 40 minutes of yoga and meditate for at least five minutes every morning. And so for me to get that in, I have to get up before, you know, my husband or my son gets up. So that means me getting up at five right. um, to get it in. And so that was something that I would not do this past year before my son was born. Like, let's just say I've been trying to incorporate this before he was even around and I couldn't do it. And now that he's here, I've realized how much more important 
it is for me to take some time to myself. And, you know, and I'm still at the gym and I still will get my like, quote unquote, regular workout in, you know, which are just 30 minute workouts for me. And I think that people sometimes have to, you know, rethink of when we think workout, we're not saying that you need to work out. I mean, I guess some days I do work out for an hour, but it's broken up throughout the day. Like, and then at my ideal, once it's nicer out, um, is to go for an evening walk for an hour after dinner. And so like, that's kind of movement throughout your day. And I think if people kind of see, oh, I can break up this workout, like you were saying, do some pushups here. Hey, let's do some squats later in your day. Hey, let's add some crunches during your lunch break. You know, what can you do to kind of incorporate that or sprinkle it in throughout the day? If you don't think that you have that time um, to devote to it right away. And a lot of the times what I find is what happens is people actually are like, oh, well, no, you know what? I do want to sit down for half an hour and take an actual lunch break to get a workout in. Um, Is that something that you see as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when they start to realize that that, that they feel differently, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're more apt to be like, you know, well, you know, people get used to how they feel and then they start doing something that makes them feel better. And they're like, wow, this is this is nice. I got to This becomes important now. Oh, yes. You're preaching to the choir on that one. (laughs) That's so, why, that's why I work out all day. I've discovered I need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that this morning I got up at uh, four because oh I had a six gosh. o'clock yeah, just because I needed to get my workout in. I had this interview um, and I was training right up until then. And then I'm going to sneak in a quick run and then go get my son. So it was just like, I needed to yeah. do that. So Yes. And I I think once people see like, okay, how do you make that happen? Like, how do we both make that happen? And again, I think it's just built up from like time. Like, again, I tried to do this a few years ago. It was a fail. And now all of a sudden I'm to the point where I'm like, I've realized how it makes me feel. And I think especially, you know, with having kids, like you, you crave that kind of balance in your life, or that's kind of what balances me out is just being like, okay, this keeps me calm. It keeps me much more under control with my emotions if I get my workouts in. Cause if I don't, I find I'm much more quick tempered and I'm like just crazy. And so that's where I'm like, I need this for me. And once you get to that point, it makes it so much easier to be consistent with a workout routine. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then you find little tricks, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I got up at four, but that doesn't mean I was watching the Grammys last night. You know, I got to bed. You know, I put my son to bed, do a couple of things, and I got to get to bed because you you need that sleep. Um, but no, absolutely. I mean, once you once you you get a taste of of how you feel and how, like you were saying, you deal with certain things, it's just like you know, this is so necessary. Mm. So I want to talk about this from a dad perspective because I, you know, since you do have is your son two now? He's two. He'll be, yes. he'll be uh, three in July. Oh. Yeah. So he is still, you know, he's a little, I'm sure runs around and is into things. So how has that kind of changed your approach to fitness since, you know, having your son here? Like, has it changed like what you do personally or, you know, how you help other people who might have, cl- who might have kids themselves? Well, a couple things. Um, one of the things that it did was just reinforce um, what you were saying in terms of, you know, when your son gets older, you're going to want to play around with him. You know, I'm an older dad. I'm 46 with a two-year-old. My wife and I, we, we waited. We waited. <laughs> um, but thank God, because I think I'll be a better father because of it. But, uh, 
No, just watching him thinking, you know, I want to be a good active role model for him. You know, I don't want him. I mean, he's going to grow up. Well, he does grow up around kettlebells. He'll probably be the only two-year-old, and I'm sure yours does, that knows what a kettlebell is and knows what to do with it, you know? Yes. Um, but, you know, just watch, just being a dad, it's like, okay, now I got a little bit more skin in the game, and um, I want him to lead uh, a, a full, active, fun life like I did and what, what movement, you know, has, has made possible. So I want him to, you know, be able to do that and then some. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the diff that's one of the perspectives, um, you know, just from being a dad. The other one is that one of my idols that I really enjoyed, um, looking at and, and, and listening to and reading, uh, was Greg Cook. And a lot of his stuff that he does is based off of human development. So after reading him and, and learning how we develop movement from infants to adults, um, it was really cool to watch that happen with my son. Mm. So he was kind of my little science project <laughs> theory. But it taught me a lot in terms of, you know, we can get back to shoes again. Like I don't let my son wear any, any really thick soled shoes because mm. I want his feet to develop like feet are supposed to develop. Um, but, and we, and I don't tell my son not to climb. I mean, we, we, I try to get him to climb is, you know, as much as <laughs> I, mean, I like, I try to get him on the ground to crawl and, you know, he knows what a squat is and what the splits are. And, yes. <laughs> no, that part of it has been really cool. And, uh, you know, I'll probably, you know, I was a basketball player and a cross country runner. Um, I'd love it if my son chose those sports, but whatever he chooses to do, including if he just, you know, decides to be a thespian or a, uh, or a, a mathematician that he's going to be in shape. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> in shape. That is not an option. Oh. So selfishly, I want to go back to the shoes for your child. Oh, yeah. Cause I want to talk. I have not gotten my son any shoes yet. But now you just said no hard sole shoes. Can you expand on this? What should I be getting my child or anyone else out there who might also be like, wait, no one told me about this. What sh what's the appropriate shoes for them to be having? So for a, a young kid, they just need a shoe that is going to protect their foot. So it's just going to be something that can cover the foot to protect it. Like they, a moccasin? Like a moccasin. Okay. Yeah. They don't need support right? Their feet are still developing, right? And once you add support, you always need support. I don't believe that there's a such thing as, 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 as people being flat-footed, like, like I'm, I'm flat-footed and everybody in my family is flat-footed. I think that that's nonsense. I think I can um, show a person how you can create an arch in your foot and how you have to develop the, the muscles of your lower leg to keep that arch in it. Um, I mean, if you look at the skeleton of a foot, you would see that there's many, many bones that make up the foot that are connected with um, connective tissue, right? If the foot wasn't meant to bend and be compliant and, and, and shift and go into the arch and come out of the arch, um, those bones all would have been fused. It would have been just one bone, right? But it's meant to be really, you know, flexible and compliant. And what we do is we put shoes on that have really thick soles. 
And then what ends up happening is that your body will form in the position that you put it in the most. So if this shoe is making it to where your toe doesn't have to flex as you push off to walk forward, or that your um, toes don't have to flex independently of, of the foot, then the shoe is doing it all, then guess what's going to happen to your foot? It's going to become rigid. And the, low mu and the muscles of the low leg that control what happens in the foot are going to become they're going to atrophy and you're going to start to lose that, that arch. And then when you do, when you are active, you're going to go and run and you're going to go to the doctor and say, my knee hurts. And they're going to say, maybe you need orth orthotics and they're going to add more support. Right. Mm -hmm. and the next thing you know, in you know, 20 years, you're this, this runner with all kinds of support. <laughs> and I just, I believe that you can get that support from your body if you, if you train it properly. And what I mean by that is that if you wear a hard shoe, you need to spend some time barefoot, you know, over the weekend, or you need to get yourself some a moccasin like shoe and maybe start training in those shoes, right? And then maybe, you know, a little jogging in those shoes to try to get your feet to start doing what your feet should do. I mean, because no one, if you were to put your feet together, and this is, yeah, this is important. So if you were to put your feet together and stand up, you cannot make circles with your ankles without moving your knees or your hips. You want to try it? I was just thinking of it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I record my uh, podcast in a closet, so I don't have room to try it right now. No, Otherwise, I, <laughs> I totally would. Okay. But I'm so, thinking this through. So say it again. So if you stood up with your feet touching, right, you're standing straight up. Mm -hmm. You cannot make circles with your ankles, right, without mm -hmm. moving your knees or your hips. Now, that's one statement. Now, the other statement is that you cannot, in that same position, you cannot make circles with your knees without moving your ankles or your hips. Okay? Third statement, you cannot make circles with your hips without moving your knees or your ankles. So all I'm trying to, the, the point I'm trying to drive here is that whatever happens upstream can affect things downstream. Whatever happens downstream can affect things upstream, right? Mm -hmm. So your feet can't do anything that your hip can't not feel, right? So if all of a sudden your foot stops acting like a foot because you've been wearing so much support, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get some issues with the other players in that game, right? So... I say to some of my runners that have, that have those issues is, you know what, I'm sorry, but we're, we're done running for a little while, you know, and you're done wearing those shoes and we're going to do some stuff that engages your toes and gets, gets that foot moving and responding again. And uh, they hate me for it, but, you know, in the long run, if you want to be sustainable, I mean, if you want to be doing this when you're, you know, 60 or 70, then these are the things you got to do. Mm. That is, I love it. I love that little tidbit um, that you threw in. Cause I, I mean, I think you have a different viewpoint than one of the other trainers at the gym. So it's kind of interesting, you know, hearing different sides and just being like, okay, yeah, you know, both of you, you might agree with like, okay, you both have great points and then kind of figuring out what works for your body. Because if people aren't going to train the right way to fix some of those things, then maybe they are better off with orthotics, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but understand that it's temporary. I mean, you're using that support, 
your body's going to adjust to that support. And so it's more like a crutch. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, that's, I mean, that's, that's, I say it is until we try something different. Right. That's yeah. I mean, this is one of my areas I have no strong opinion on. So I am easily swayed in either direction on this. So I just like learning different people's opinions and then seeing what works best for me. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, I see it like this. I mean, we got, I read this statistic. I mean, it was like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where they said 4% of all Americans work out four days a week, 30 minutes a time, right? 4%? Yeah, 4%. Oh, man. And I thought, wow. The one, and, and then I thought, this is the perfect profession. I mean, we get to save the world. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not concerned about the 4%. So my philosophy, the reason why I'm going down this path, is my philosophy, I tell all my clients, here's the deal, right? I want to train you, but I want to train you to where you can walk into any gym and get a workout in and know why you are doing what you're doing for that day. Like why, right? You, I want to get them to the point where they can understand it to the point where they can say, all right, well, I'm going to try to program for myself for a month and understand why they're programmed like that. And the reason for that was back to that statistic that I said, right? If I get a client, I don't necessarily want to train you for the rest of your life. I don't. Mm -hmm. um, because I can't. I mean, eventually I'm going to teach you what I know and then I need to move on or either I need to start to know more so that I can train you. But my philosophy is that I want to teach you enough to be dangerous to where you can come back to me, you know, once every three months and say, just give me some new ideas or just train me. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how I look at it. So it's like, I want to teach people and you should learn this stuff and you should use it so that you can be doing this when you're 70. Cause that's my plan. I mean, that's my goal. I want to be, like 80, like still running and still like lifting. I love it. Oh, <laughs> and still yes. doing like, I told you so. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I just played ping pong today with a 93-year-old and he beat me like usual. Yeah. So yeah, because I had trained a senior, I'm not sure if you knew this, but I do train a senior citizen class um, one day a week. And um, they're, you know, the I have six 90 to 93 year olds in that class. Wow. And they're all rock stars. I mean, they're all squatting and they sit down on the chair to stand up. I mean, wow. it's amazing. And so I always draw such inspiration from them. And I'm like, this is, you know, why I do what I do. And just to see them motivates me. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean that, you know, and, and I was doing mortgages and I thought, well, I understood the reason why I was unhappy and I wasn't being fulfilled. I wasn't being challenged. And now with this profession, you know, I look at, I can look back and there are people in this world that can say, this was my life before I met Chuck. And then this was my life after I met Chuck. And the reason is because now they can do a push up. And I thought, wow, that, oh. that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. want to do this forever. <laughs> oh, it's like your mic drop moment. Like, yes. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> I mean, in that person's life forever. You know, and I just thought, man, changing lives. So. Oh, I love it. So just wrapping up our conversation today, I always like to know people, um, like, where can they connect with you at? Where do you like to hang out? 
hang out. I'm like on there. social media. Well, I know that. <laughs> Online though, in case people aren't local. Where can no, so I got a Facebook page. So my company is called the Movement Lab. Um, I don't have a brick and mortar spot, but what I do is I rent space out of, out of different boutique gyms, um, the same gym that Andrea rents, and that's where we met. So um, you can, meet, you can uh, reach me at the Movement Lab on Facebook. You can reach me at uh, I am Chuck Turner at, uh, what? I just changed the name of my Instagram. I just figured out that you could. I love it. Yeah. So um, let me see here. Yeah, I am Chuck Turner uh, on what is that Instagram, and then I am Chuck Turner on, and this is one I just got today. Snapchat. Are you oh, big into Snapchat? You know, I was until Instagram Stories, and now I just I can't go back and forth between the two. I just I have found I have stuck to Instagram Stories. What do you mean Instagram Stories? <laughs> God, I got to oh, start spending gosh. more time with you. I got to buy you lunch or something. Uh, I will talk to you about social media <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find Chuck. Clearly, he might not be super active on Instagram. No, no, no. But I'm trying to change that, though. But you can go uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat starting tomorrow. Um, and then at FitSpace over in, in, in St. Louis Park, or I guess that's still Minneapolis. That's where you and I train. Yep. I'm also over at the Powerhouse, um, a.k.a. Side Door CrossFit in St. Paul. Uh, that's on Snelling, just south of Randolph. I'm also over at Circus Juventus. Did you know that I worked at a circus? No, but that's oh, what? Yeah. So Can I worked at a circus. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, well, <laughs> it wasn't in the question. I did, I did, did not know this. Yeah, so I work at a circus. It's called Circus Juventus. And it is a circus that the youngest kids are five, and then they age out at 21. And it is a real circus. I mean, we got contortion, jugglers, unicycle, tightrope, aerials, trapeze. I mean, all, I mean, these kids are amazing, right? And I'm over there as a, as a core and conditioning coach because what they do with these kids when they get them when they're five, they look at them and they say, okay, we're just going to get them in shape. So whether, you know, move them around, move them around. And they sit back and they go, well, that kid's going to be good at tumbling or that kid's going to be good at, uh, at uh, contortion. So they start plucking them. And then these kids are at the circus like four hours a day doing just that. And so I come in and I say, that's repetitive movement. I mean, that's awesome that they can backflip up and down the hallway, but if they can't run around the block, that's a problem. Or if they can't do a push-up, that's a problem. So I come in and I make them do all the stuff that they don't normally do, just to try to keep them balanced, try to teach them how to do maintenance on their bodies, right? Um, like I said, these kids are working out four hours a night, you know, Monday through Friday. That's more than some professional athletes. So you need to do, be doing some tissue manipulation if you can, like massage or rolling out with a foam roller. Um, you need to be drinking water and quit eating Taco Bell. You know, I'm in there just <laughs> trying to get them to think of themselves as athletes because that's what they are. And yeah, so I can be reached at all those places. Wow, that is so cool. <laughs> Yeah. So wrapping up then, what does peaceful power mean to you? Peaceful power. You know, <sighs> peaceful power. I don't put those words together too much, but 
peaceful power would be, I guess that's, that could be used to describe how I feel um, when I am training and when I have worked out. I mean, I just feel so sound and so peaceful, but so powerful on my feet, you know? And uh, I love that feeling. I mean, the resting state of the human being should be pain-free and I'm 46 and I am pain-free and I'm trying to get other people pain-free so that they can experience that peaceful power. Oh, yes, I like that. So then wrapping up, I always like to ask um, or throw out a little challenge to all the listeners for a weekly challenge. And then when I have guests, I have you guys ask a little challenge to listeners. So do you have something up your sleeve for the listeners? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Listeners, Chuck Turner of the Movement Labs challenge to you is one week, no pillow. A what? No, one week, no pillow. When you sleep? When you sleep. No pillow. Get rid of the pillow. Can you tell us why quickly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, when you drive, what position is your head and your shoulders in typically? You're typically hunched forwards. Yep. When you text, what position is your head and shoulders in? When you uh, sit at your desk or when you're on your computer, you know, what position is your head and shoulders in, right? It's the same kyphotic forward head position, right? Mm -hmm. Then we go to bed and we put pillows underneath our head to reinforce the same movement. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you should spend some time with your spine in line. So how does one do that? How about trying to do it when you sleep? Try to train yourself to lie on your back if you can, right? Without a pillow. You'll get you know, six to eight hours of your spine being in alignment. And that's where your spine wants to be. Um, there's no other time you can do it. Um, babies don't sleep with pillows. Why do we train babies to sleep with pillows? Uh, good question. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, we're trained to sleep with pillows. Yeah. Right? I think even if you sleep on your side, shouldn't your neck have the mobility to to, to lie on the one shoulder? And shouldn't your neck have the ability to lie on the other shoulder, right? If it's when we don't use that pillow for some reason, and the neck is put in that position that, you know, you wake up and you got this issue with your neck. I don't, I don't believe that's how it should be. Um, if you, I don't sleep with a pillow and I don't get cricks in my neck anymore. Um, and I, I believe it's helped my posture. Um, it took a while to teach myself to to do it, but my challenge, who can, to see if you can do it, right? I did it. I do it every day. So let's see if you can do it. How do we find out if they did it or not? Uh, they can hit us up over on Instagram. So oh, yeah. let him know under his, I am Chuck Turner on Instagram or me at Andrea Clausen 21. Cause I, I'm going to have to, uh, this one's going to be a challenge for me. This one, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I will. Okay. I'm, I will accept and I will be doing it, but this one will be um, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah, I think you'll like it, though, once you start doing it. I like it. I accept. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Chuck. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. You are full of little nuggets and knowledge. Yeah, so this thank was you. awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me.
And yes. Thanks for listening. For sure. And everyone, go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power Podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.